0: Welcome back to Inside Marketing Design. I'm Charlie. I'm the Marketing Design Lead at ConvertKit. And on this show, I speak to my fellow marketing designers out in the tech industry about how marketing design functions at their companies. Today on the show, we're taking a look inside marketing design at Basecamp. Basecamp are a small team of around 56 people, but they are a powerhouse. Their main product also called Basecamp is a project management tool that like over 3 million businesses use to get their work done. But they also more recently launched Hey, which is a new email client that you've probably heard of if you've been on Twitter anytime in the past few months. I was really excited to speak to Adam Stoddard who is the lead marketing designer at Basecamp and also the only marketing designer at Basecamp about how he gets work done and how he stays super efficient to keep on top of all this work the company is putting out. Adam has been at Basecamp for about four years and he has a background doing a lot of different things in design. Started out doing graphic design, worked in like studio land for a bit, also was freelancing, doing product design. He's also even worked in like the gaming industry before getting into tech, so he brings this huge wealth of experience to his work at Basecamp and also to this episode. I learned a lot from him about his process and I'm excited to share that with you today. Basecamp do things really differently and if you know the company, that won't be a surprise to you. Um, But for me, it was really interesting to hear just how different it was to a lot of the other companies that I've spoken to as part of the series. So, without further ado, let's get into it and let me show you an inside look at marketing design at Basecamp. Welcome Adam to Inside Marketing Design. I'm very excited to have you here and to be talking about marketing design at Basecamp today.
1: Awesome. Yeah. I'm excited to be here.
0: Let's start by talking about the team at Basecamp. So I know that you are the only marketing designer there, which first of all, shocked me, especially considering the number of products that Basecamp has and like, I don't know, the workload you must have. We're going to get into that in the show, but what about the, the rest of the team? How many other designers are on the team?
1: it's actually a really small team five people okay we're a little bit different I think I think than than a lot of other companies we're we're kind of a hybrid position of what you would typically expect for a designer and then also product managers copywriters front-end developers kind of the whole deal <laughs> <laughs> right so
0: everyone's a designer but also wears all these other hats as well right and you, you it sounds like you're talking about Operating as a whole design team, who who do you report to, and where does this design team sit within the company?
1: It's interesting. I, I technically my manager is uh, Jonas Downey. He runs the design team, but in terms of my actual day to day reporting and who I work with work with typically on projects, it's almost exclusively Jason Freed, the owner of the company.
0: Right. Yeah, because my role at Convert as you know, we, we're talking before the call that I, we're in a similar position, being the only marketing designer and also the lead. My role sits within the marketing team. So, like, my manager is our director of marketing. What, what's your relationship like with marketing at Basecamp and how is the the marketing team formed then?
1: So, we only, within the last year, hired our first, like, actual full-time marketer. And that's the first, first time in the history of the company that we wow. have had a dedicated marketing position because prior to that it's it's been basically Jason and David running the marketing with their own kind of, you know, the thing that they do. And we just kind of decided that we we'd hit a point where we wanted to kind of reach beyond their kind of natural reach that they have. And so we needed to start doing more kind of dedicated marketing. So yeah, so Andy is that person and he 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 reports to Jason. So yeah, so that arrangement, I guess, is where where we're different. I don't report to him. So our our relationship is more collaborative. I still do projects for him all the time. But yeah, but the reporting structure is a little bit different.
0: That's really interesting. So you haven't really had like a, a marketing team, quote unquote, within the company before now, it sounds like. Everyone's just been the marketing team. Like everyone Exactly.
1: And and that's kind of been the philosophy is that marketing is everyone's job. Mm-hmm. And you and you see that with all the people who within Basecamp who talk at conferences, who write blog posts, who podcast, and so there's, you know, quite a bit of that going on across the company.
0: Yeah, I love that. I think that's a great approach to things. What does that mean for you and your role? How would you describe what your responsibilities are as the lead marketing designer?
1: The vast majority of my time is spent on our various web properties, Uh, that's 80% uh, of where my energy goes. And then the rest is the occasional assets for ad campaigns, which we we actually don't do that much display advertising. So that's actually a, a pretty minimal need. And, and then any like merch, if they're writing a new book, like I designed their last book that they released nice. uh, a year or so ago and I'm working on a print version of Ryan Singer's new book, which is nice. Cause I, I, I love being able to kind of stretch my otherwise atrophied graphic design skills, print design skills, I should say. It's like, oh yeah, InDesign, cool.
0: Let's crank this open again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> blow I love the dust off that. So you get a really wide range then of like types of design you end up doing. Um, as part of your
1: yeah, it's all over the place, which I which I love.
0: But the main thing would be the website. It sounds like
1: yes, yeah.
0: yeah. And would you say that's the main focus for marketing at Basecamp as well? Is is the web is the website sort of acting as as a salesperson? I suppose
1: it it is, and also it's a vehicle for showcasing a lot of the other things that that Jason, David, and Ryan in particular are doing. So that's that's where like right now that's I built a a, a web book system framework as part of Basecamp.com to house like I just finished converting their original book getting real to a web version shape up is lives in that same format. It's not all like purely like landing page type stuff. It's also, you know, highly You know, informational and housing the large amount of writing and and work that they've done over you know the twenty or so years that they've been in business.
0: Yeah, like the website itself is kind of like another product, right? Hosting all this educational content. Yeah. What's the split like for you in terms of working on the different products that Basecamp, the company, makes? Can you tell us a little bit about that? What are the different products that you end up working on and? How do you split your time between them?
1: I mean, some of it's request-driven. Jason or someone else will ping me and say, "Hey, I I need X, Y, or Z," and I'll work on that. But a lot of it's just driven on. Um... So we're we're generally uh, very self-directed as teams, and one of my responsibilities is to kind of own the top of the funnel for Basecamp.com and and now for Hey. So um, doing A/B testing on the homepage and really trying to. You know, make sure we're we're doing the right thing there. But in terms of like what works, what we work on now, like obviously Basecamp.com gets a lot of the lion's share of attention because that's an important property. And then the other sites, which which there are quite a few, because we have. So let me let me see if I can go through the list here. <laughs> Basecamp.com, now Hey.com, ReworkFM for our podcast. There's the website for Stimulus, one of our front-end frameworks. There's the website for Tricks. There's Signal versus Noise our blog, one of our old products, High Rise HQ, three or four different help sites, a status website. Oh man. I'm missing something. Anyway, that's still that's, a lot, even, that's even enough. with something missing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so a lot of those other sites, it's more like I'll touch them like once a year, maybe. It's, you know, I kind of look at them every once in a while and I'm like, yeah, I'm still, I'm still all right with that. <laughs> yeah, like you're fine, we can leave you another <laughs> yeah, year maybe. <laughs> yeah, exactly because it's it's just not as important
0: are you handling the build of all these sites and like the maintenance of them as well as the design
1: yes how Uh,
0: adam how
1: (laughs) yeah and so and that's that's kind of our secret sauce is that we kind of what i was talking about a little bit earlier we practice integrated design Mm -hmm. so most of our design happens in browser um, and so and we're also doing a lot of the the copywriting and uh, potentially illustration and a lot of these other things. And by doing that, um, you cut out all that work that happens when you have kind of siloed positions, mm-hmm. where you have to do a lot of documentation to convey your intent to the next person in the chain. Right so like all of that like ooh, i'm gonna i'm gonna go into figma and i'm gonna have all these detailed comps and hand off all these notes and design multiple versions so you can see what it looks like on mobile and whatnot like none of that happens because we're just Just it's all it's all in one person so we're just doing it so that that uh, that's a really big efficiency gain
0: that's really Um, interesting and that makes me think of how uh, so for the first two years that i was at convertkit i was both the designer and the developer of our marketing site but we needed more like design capacity. And so in order to open that up, we hired a developer to handle the website full time, which has been great for me because coding was never my like strong suit. And I like to code, but I hate bug fixing, like anything to do with that. I'm just like, this is not fun. I'd rather be designing or like making something new. so I'm glad that that's someone else's job now, but I have not been surprised (laughs) to see like just how like you said it hasn't doubled my capacity just because we've got a person now taking on half of that work because there is a lot of work in that documenting and like you know communicating intent like you said. Yeah exactly
1: yeah. exactly. And yeah and there and that is one of the trade offs though is that we, we can't produce as much raw design mm-hmm. because we're doing all the development as right. well. So yeah and there there's and there's there's some other trade offs like it's it's generally harder for us to hire someone. Because finding people who are both, because we're we, we we try to hit a, a fairly high level in terms of our front end development. So of finding course. people who are both very good designers and also good front end developers is, you know, not necessarily the easiest thing in the world.
0: Yeah, of course, but it's that, like you said, that's your secret sauce, right? That's how you get things done. Uh, which is right, really cool.
1: exactly. You know, I'm a, I'm a big believer in the. I think the the medium and means that you pick to produce something has a has a pretty dramatic influence on the final outcome, and you know, I think that's really true for a lot of the products we develop, where we have this kind of tendency to develop really kind of lightweight solutions. Like like for me on the marketing side of things, I'm very interested right now in producing very performant, very small, very efficient, uh, very accessible. Websites and because we are kind of coming at it from both ends, I can think about the development side of things as I'm kind of conceiving of brand elements and like, oh, how is this going to translate? Is this going to be efficient? Is this going to be, uh, you know, a, a, a giant hog if I try to implement it in this way? And I I feel like that's that's kind of a harder thing to hit when when it's more siloed and you're not really considering those other aspects because a you may not be. Uh, trained in any of that so you may just you may just not know or like the communication isn't quite there but like on the flip side you know a a team like like apple's a good example of kind of the opposite end where like really beautiful websites and they're but they're like massive like (laughs) a page (laughs) make like computer fans yeah, yeah exactly like so it's, it's just, you, you get a different end product.
0: And that's been something you've chosen to make a focus and it's like informed your design, I guess. I've seen a lot exactly. of people talking about the hay.com website in particular, I guess, because it's the hot topic at the moment and about how amazingly fast and like small file size that is. So yeah, that that's amazing. What well done. Thank you. You mentioned A-B testing before. This is something that I'd love to dig into because this is something I love doing is testing. I find it so fun to like try out different ideas, see what connects and just really challenge your gut. And I think it helps to train your gut as a designer as well on what you assume will be the best, most highest converting design. And then what actually turns out to be the case.
1: A-B testing is an interesting thing for us because we... Especially now, like there there was definitely a period of time around when I first started where we were doing a lot more exploratory A-B testing. Okay. But now it's it's a little more of uh, a gut check step. Like mm-hmm. we're still putting out whatever we feel is the message that's going to hit, that we think is like the right thing to say at the right moment in time, that looks the right way. Like we're still like, yeah, th- this is it. You know, we're not trying to to test our way uh, to success in that, in that sense, because that's, in my opinion, that's, you're only ever going to find like the local maximum by, by trying to like A-B test your way to, to a correct design. So it's a little bit more of a a validation step. And so we'll, we'll kind of put out what we think is the right thing and then A-B test it. And if the test wins, like awesome. And if not, that's actually still kind of awesome because we just learned something. Yeah. But we they actually organizationally used to not A/B test and got got a little burned by by doing a homepage that was not a great performer and it ended Ooh, up costing a lot of money in lost right. revenue. So so now it's like it it's at at minimum something like a regression test to make sure that we're not totally tanking the funnel yeah. when we launch a new homepage.
0: Yeah yeah that makes sense. Do you find that what you're testing now is more like fine-tuned rather than like two completely different designs against each other
1: yeah we actually it's more it's more the latter where we're testing wholly different designs yeah because we're it's it's we've definitely done tests where it's like oh what happens when I use you know an inline form for sign up versus uh, a button and the more more those kind of very small scale where you're, you're changing one minor variable and those are useful for getting those kind of answers like generally does this kind of component work better than another but you know we we definitely steer clear of the the kind of you know infamous testing 30, 30 shades of blue cuz that's why like <laughs> yeah yeah that's in my opinion that's that's at, like you're kind of abdicating your job as a designer if you're just deferring to um, and leaving
0: it up to the masses yeah I- exactly exactly <laughs> yeah. cuz
1: that's your job as a designer is to to have good taste and and yes. apply that good taste.
0: Something I've learned as well from testing is that you should never test something that you're not happy to be the final design.
1: No, because if it I, wins. <laughs> I've learned that lesson the hard way as well. Yep. Yeah, like, "Oh, no, that is
0: not what bad, you wanted to do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Can you tell me like does, does a test come to mind where you were really surprised by the results? And it really was like, oh, that's not what I assumed would be the winner here. Yeah,
1: you know, I think some of the ones that were more surprising is ones where we've spent you know, maybe a couple of weeks doing like a, a really heavily illustrated piece and it just didn't make a difference. Hmm. Which, which was kind of surprising. Like you would, you would expect like the more kind of visually rich thing to just, you know, especially like on marketing websites for tech products, illustration is such a given at the moment. Like right what 75% of websites <laughs> probably have some kind of uh, illustration on them. And uh, yeah, we we we've we, we've done a lot of tests with uh, with that kind of work where it it just didn't make a difference or or performed worse. And and that's directly why like right now on the homepage of base, basecamp.com and even hey, there there's no illustration work. The 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 products are the heroes. Right. Of, of both of those websites.
0: I feel like I've seen, because we, we use Basecamp at ConvertKit and I feel like I've seen, I can't even count how many different versions of the homepage in the time that we've been using it. A lot, it. yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> so it's, it's clear that that's the the main part of your job. You know, It's refining this website, keeping it up to date, trying new things and always trying to, I guess, increase the conversion rate of it. Is there metrics that you're held to? You mentioned that you're responsible for the top of the funnel. How does the team work in setting, like, do you said OKRs or KPIs or whatever acronym you want to use? Yeah, to we it?
1: basically don't have any. We're in a, a good position where Basecamp is a very healthy business, and Jason and David are, they don't come at it from a, let's squeeze every last dime that we can mm-hmm. out of this. Um, they're more interested in doing something that... That they're proud of, that they feel good about, that aligns with their values, uh, which is one of the things I I really love uh, about working there. I think one of the the pitfalls of modern marketing is the the kind of very data-driven, very numbers-driven approach has kind of sucked all the soul out of it and all the personality out of it, um, where it's not about you engaging with another human anymore. It's just like, I'm going to, I'm going to put you through some kind of sequence and retarget ads at you. And it's, uh, I don't know, I, I'm obviously it, it works for, for a lot of people, but that's just not really the kind of thing we're interested in, in pursuing. Um, so yeah, so like, obviously we want to grow the business in a, in a like healthy, sustained way. You know, we're not, we're not looking for necessarily the, the hockey stick, uh, growth. So yeah. There's no like, Ooh, Adam conversion funnels down this, this month and you're on, your your on thin ice. Like that's not, that's not a thing.
0: That must be like, I don't know. That sounds like a nice environment to design in to not have to worry about that side of things. And you can just, you know, put all your energy into, into your work and not into worrying about the, the results as much.
1: Yeah. And, and I think, you know, we obviously, I mean, obviously I, I want to improve those numbers <laughs> and there's a intrinsic drive to, to want to make the business healthier and better, but by not having... By, by not making your job dependent on these things it removes all the pressure to engage in bad behavior and
0: to get into doing some dark patterns or something exactly. because it's drive numbers yeah yeah
1: exactly totally. exactly Yeah, yeah and so like a good example of that is within the last year we decided to pull down uh, like we used to have a pdf of getting real behind uh, an email list sign up mm-hmm. super common thing everyone does it
0: yeah i work for an email and... marketing software company i know yeah. all about that, yes. <laughs>
1: so so common but like we we've literally never used that list right so it's like why why are we even doing this um so we we pulled it all down it's like you you want to read it read it like we're not gonna like make you jump through these kind of hoops to do it uh, and you know again i i i appreciate that they're open and willing i mean more than open they're they're they want to do those kind of things and yeah. uh, take a very different approach to to things and and you know that's that's really kind of baked into Hay as well like our whole thing around tracking pixels mm-hmm. and privacy uh, yeah. and emails and making it really a, a privacy focused product um, that's been a big push just within our company like uh, over the past six months to a year we've been removing basically all third party tracking from every website every web property because we just at the end of the day, weren't comfortable sending customer information to Google and and other big players like that. Um, so now we do we have our own first-party internal tracking tool that we use, which shows us what we need to see and nothing else. And that's been really great. That that entire push to just kind of like take take a different stance. We've gotten to a place as an industry where it's like. Oh well it's 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 nice to see this information so we're going to collect it but kind of resetting that and be like am i am i actually going to do anything with this information and if i'm not going to do anything with this information we're not going to collect it because we're going to you know put 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 the onus on respecting privacy first and foremost and then only if we like genuinely genuinely <laughs> really really need something will we collect that? And, you know, in in some sense that makes the job a little harder, but, you know, luckily we have people at Basecamp like Ryan Singer, who does a lot of interviews with people. And so we, we get at it a little bit of a different way.
0: Right. Like you're still getting the learning, just not through collecting the data, like a lot of other companies would do.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was wondering about that because um, you mentioned the top of the funnel and, you know, we're talking about conversion rates and things, but if, you're not tracking things and how would you know that? So that's interesting to me that you have your like internal solution that just, you know, isn't sending data to Google, which is always a good thing.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. And it it also just lets us be a little more specific about, you know, with something like Google analytics or basically any kind of off the shelf, uh, analytics system, you, you, you get what you get, whether you need it or not. So with a, a bespoke system, there's a little more of like, well, we can, we can like, you know, poke these little holes in the fence of to get get exactly what we need and and nothing more
0: yeah yeah what do you use for a b testing then is that another like internally developed tool
1: it is and the really nice thing about it is a lot of commercial a b testing tools um, require an enormous amount of javascript on the client side to Mm -hmm. make them work which is you know as like i mentioned earlier when we're trying to pursue very performance oriented websites is kind of a, a A deal breaker for us, and it also you get kind of this nasty flash of unstyled content of the original version before uh, before the JavaScript loads. So our our setup it it basically happens at the at the server level. Okay. So um, I'll design a totally different page that technically lives at a different URL, and then when you're when you hit the original URL, you're placed into one of two coh- cohorts where you see either that original page or that other page that lives at that other URL gets swapped into the, the current URL you're visiting and, and that's it. So, that's and that, that also makes it very robust because if someone has uh, JavaScript disabled, it still works.
0: Right, yeah, because you're doing it on the server side. Exactly. Is that a tool that you built or the, like, the development team built? How did that Yeah, that
1: out? was uh that was our our data team. Yeah, that's nice. that's above that's above my head.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I was going to be very impressed if that was yet another thing that you've done at Basecamp. <laughs> that's cool though. Let's go into talking about a project at Basecamp. So you already mentioned that things are very self-directed there and that you might work very closely with the founder, but take me through like say a recent project. Maybe the design of hey.com for example because that's, you know, very very new and very recent. How does that start? Do you get a brief? Is it a conversation? Take me through it.
1: So yeah, with something like, hey, where we're, where we're talking about a new product, we'll almost always start with uh, copy and messaging. Okay. Um, we tend to not start with, with visuals because the, the copy kind of drives everything for us. Hey was a little bit odd because it wasn't hey for a long time. It was haystack. Uh, That was another, that was another domain that we owned. And so a lot of the, the brand development revolved around that at first. And obviously that's like in the digital dumpster at this point, but even when we were working on that, it was, it was all about kind of developing um, this story about, Hey, and kind of where email started and like the, the time it was developed and how it was used and what it was designed for, which was like, you know one person talking to that other one person on a server somewhere (laughs) (laughs) like that's what it was designed for uh and so it's just kind of like grown into this thing that was was actually never intentionally designed but it's being used in this weird way Hmm. so so kind of taking that and developing these kind of broad talking points like screen your emails like you screen your calls and these kind of like resonant messages Yeah, yeah, Um, that
0: everyone gets instantly.
1: Exactly. And then from there, developing an aesthetic around all of that, that we think hits the right tone for the product. And like, and for Hay, it's this like trying to straddle the line of like approachable and friendly, but also like, not, not cute, but like, you know, lively.
0: That's a good word. Lively. I like it. And are you the one writing the copy and figuring out this messaging? Is it done in collaboration with, with Jason? Yeah, how does that work?
1: Yeah, he does most of the final copywriting because he's a better writer than I am. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm not a, a claim that, uh, that it's anything different than that. But often I'll do, so like take a page like the How It Works page sure. where the images and copy are fairly integrated. So on a page like that, I'll do the initial pass of copywriting to make sure that the copy fit makes sense with the layout, and and also the the overall structure of what we're talking about, and then he circled back around and rewrote it in his voice. Um, so then that's that's something we do fairly frequently, and and sometimes uh, it's just you know here's a template for you to do your thing with, and he'll go like the the manifesto page is probably a good example of that where it was just like it's it's mostly text and like. Here, here's a here, here, here's a nice header piece. Here's where here, here's where your words go.
0: <laughs> I love it. I th- I sort of think of that as doing a, this initial pass you take first. It's like the copy wireframe. You know, it's like we talk about wireframing usually in terms of the visuals and like boxes on a screen. But yeah, you can do a wireframe with the copy as well. Absolutely, absolutely, yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and and again, that's like it's a nice it's a nice shortcut. Because it's not like oh let's let's talk to the copywriter and figure mm-hmm. all this out mm-hmm. like the 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 design and the initial copywriting like it all happens in one kind of mushy step, yeah that uh, eliminates just a ton of back and forth.
0: Yeah, yeah, sounds like it. Let's talk tools for a sec about this. Where is all this happening? What are you using?
1: Mostly just working in a in a text editor in code. Uh, we use Jekyll for most of our websites. Basically, the only exception to that is Signal versus Noise, which is on WordPress, mm-hmm. but everything else uses Jekyll. Though I'm hoping to change that in the not too distant future and switch <laughs> switch to 11 T, which I really like.
0: Oh, I haven't uh, heard of that. I'm going to look into it.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a spiritually inspired by Jekyll, but uh, addresses a lot of pain points and is based in JavaScript, not uh, not Ruby and huh. not I, I am much more proficient in JavaScript than Ruby, so that makes sense. Then, yeah.
0: Okay, so you're uh, not like opening up a well, obviously not a Google Doc. We know how you feel about Google, but you're going straight into the code to write up this copy, wireframe. And is Jason getting in there too yes. and editing it? Is that how yeah? It he'll works?
1: he'll he'll get into the repo and just nice. yeah. So we're we're just working in in uh, in GitHub. You know, all. Wow. I'll push up some changes on a branch, he'll pull it down and make more changes and push it back up. And yeah, that's where, that's where most of the work happens. So sometimes I'll like, if I feel like the thing I'm trying to make is uh, like, if I feel like I'm, I'm fighting with it in CSS a little bit, I'll kind of jump out to Figma or potentially illustrator to riff on some ideas in a, in an environment that's a little more fluid not to produce a final comp, it's, it's, it's a scratch pad. Uh, just to like get my head wrapped around what I'm actually trying to do and, and then jump back into code and actually you know execute it. Wow.
0: Um, yeah, I'm thinking of all of my Figma files where I ended up with like, I don't know, Wouldn't we redesigned our homepage recently and I ended up with about 90 different artboards in Figma of me trying out different things. Like that's what I right. need to make my brain work is to like see everything. But, yeah, and and yeah.
1: when we were doing the uh, more like the, the 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 brand development and mm-hmm. really nailing down the overall style, same, yeah, you know, like yeah, dozens and dozens of <laughs> of artboards and Figma too. because you know one of the nice things about about that approach, I think there's a lot of value in being able to evaluate multiple designs side by side. Yeah, because you 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 just can't do that in an efficient way when you're designing in browser. So yeah, I'm I'm generally like not a purist in that way. It's like, ooh, I only design in in code or you know, whatever. <laughs> I, I think you just need to kind of go with whatever works for that moment in time for what you're trying to achieve.
0: Yeah, completely. I agree. Just go with go with what you need and don't like worry too much about sticking to a strict process because sometimes that can get in the way for sure.
1: Exactly, yeah. and and even even with tools like like if I'm doing something for screens, I'll probably use Figma. Mm-hmm. If I'm working on illustration, I'll probably use Illustrator. Or working on print work, I'll definitely use Illustrator. Um, and you know, they're because in my opinion, they're they're different tools for different jobs. It's not like
0: you have to pick mm, one and stick to it. One, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's
1: it's it's not a it's not a team that you're uh, backing. It's yeah, it's. Uh, Different tools. That's different interesting jobs. that your
0: mind went went there for the mm-hmm. reference because my mind was going one tool to rule all, the wrong yeah. <laughs> <rank> style.
1: <laughs>
0: okay, so you work with Jason on this like copy wireframe, and that's really one form of the design. Is the copy it makes total sense? How does how do you call a project finished? Like who has the final say on a design, and is there anyone who's like giving stakeholder feedback in the middle of the process? Let's dig in deeper there.
1: That all happens in that same kind of back and forth with Jason. And we tend to work in in iterations on something. So like even an initial pass on a page will be more or less a shippable version. Hmm. And we'll just do pass after pass that tightens it up and tightens it up and tightens right. it up and tightens it up. And the nice thing about doing that is we could ship at any moment in time. So it's hmm. not like... Oh we gotta we're rushing to the deadline and we gotta make these things, otherwise we're not gonna be able to ship our project. It's it's um you're always in a state where you can ship. Um it's just a question of like how embarrassed am I going to be about right, by it? By <laughs> this shipping, yeah. But you're never going to end up
0: with lorem ipsum or any sort of like placeholder imagery because you- Exactly, yeah,
1: exactly. Well. And I feel like that, that removes a lot of stress out of it. And it then is then it is just a question of like, do we do we feel like investing more time in this? Do we think we're going to get more value out of it if we invest more time in it? Is this the the message that we want to go, go out there with? Yeah, so it, I guess to answer the question, it's, it's it's kind of both of us where we're both like, yeah, yeah, this is- this this feels good.
0: You yeah. get to a point where you're both happy with it, and that's yeah. when you know, have the final version. Yeah, happy with it happy with or it. tired of it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of the two. Yeah, that's really interesting. Is that an approach to designing or like working on a project that you've had throughout your career, or was that something that came about at Basecamp?
1: I, I do feel like that's actually pretty common in my career, and I, I I I'm I think I'm probably pretty lucky for that to not have you know to to have a lot of say in projects and not just being like does this please you yep like powers that be yeah (laughs) yeah that's great
0: i think that it's there's just so much power in having autonomy in your design and and feeling the ownership of it yeah and for sure
1: i've always tended to work for smaller companies for that reason at various points when i've been freelancing worked at larger more corporate type structures and where where it is like a committee of people who are giving a thumbs up, thumbs down kind of situation, and oh, it's it's not for me.
0: Okay, so obviously things are sounding pretty darn great at base camp. You know, it's an ideal environment for you to be working in for getting your work done. But can we talk for a second about any challenges that you face? Like, what are some challenges you face in your role, or maybe that you've overcome recently?
1: Yeah, um, this this may resonate for you as a fellow team of Warner. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's being a team of one and also being a remote, it definitely can be a little isolating yeah. at times, and that's not an an intrinsic remote thing. Before I was at Basecamp, was also working remote, but in a different kind of position, so it was less of a thing. So that's that's definitely a little bit of a struggle, particularly because my the work I do is is fairly self contained. It doesn't require as much back and forth with other people as um, some of the other positions do. Like the product designers, they don't work with each other very much because how we tend to break up projects is like, uh, even on the product side, it'll be like a designer and a programmer or two. So the designers basically never work together, but they're usually teamed up with a programmer. Whereas I am the programmer in (laughs) in my situation. So just talking just talking to myself.
0: That's another thing actually why I've been so happy to have a developer on the team full-time now at ConvertKit it is because now I get someone to work really closely with on projects. It's, right. been, yeah, yeah. it's been really fun for that reason. So yeah, I can definitely relate to what you're saying there. Do you ever see Basecamp hiring another marketing designer? Like to adding to your team?
1: Yeah, with now with what's going on with Hay, I would be pretty surprised if we did not end up hiring another right. marketing designer. Cause yeah, I, I, I feel like I was al- already starting to like hit, hit my capacity in terms yeah. of at least like to the quality level that I wanna hit. Like you can always do a you know more slapdash job and, and get things done, but that's that's not great. So yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we end up hiring uh, another marketing designer.
0: And that'll bring with it its whole new set of challenges, you know, because especially what we've talked about, how you being that team of one is actually a huge asset in terms of the speed at which you can work, so. You know.
1: yeah and I imagine it would follow a similar pattern where we we probably end up working on separate projects instead of right. tag teaming the the same thing
0: yeah yeah that would make sense to so you can keep all those benefits but also open up your capacity a bit more yeah
1: right and and you know something we've we've been debating internally recently is just how to to hire in a way that that makes sense for us and I don't know I'm, I find a lot of appeal in the idea of Hiring people who are a little more on the junior side and who have a desire to kind of be trained up in the base camp way
0: of doing things. That'd be amazing. You'd be giving someone like an amazing start to their career, you know, hiring, hiring a junior into that. I think that's really cool. Let's end by talking about your favorite parts of what you do, of being a marketing designer. Because as I said in the in, in the intro, which you haven't heard, but all the people listening to this did hear, you've had this career where you've tried a bit of everything, you know, agency, freelance, product, print. Why marketing design? Why do you love what you do?
1: Kind of as I mentioned earlier, I, I really appr- like being able to scratch kind of both sides of my brain. Uh, I really like being able to kind of hit the um, expressive artistic side in in one sense and also the the kind of engineering side uh, where I'm kind of thinking about who how do I how do I take this thing and build it in a way that's you know efficient and responsive and works on all these different screen sizes and that like really does it for me. I've I've always had a really hard time of letting go of the implementation side of things because I I I, I really love like making the, the real thing. And and kind of coming at it from from both sides. I'm a big uh, believer in constraints in general Mm -hmm. and um, I I find that like it it breeds a lot of creativity uh, when you apply constraints to yourself and and that's kind of one of the things I like about focusing on these kind of lean very responsive websites. It's you have this pile of enormous constraints and uh, i find the, the the process of designing a website that is both uh, aesthetically pleasing and also addresses all those constraints to be very very satisfying
0: i love that that's also one of the reasons why i love working in-house as opposed to freelance is the constraints where like you're obviously not changing up the brand every single week when you want to use a new color you gotta you're gonna right. be using those same colors for a long time um, and that's a fun constraint to work within
1: yeah yeah like my my thing right now that i've been uh, that i've been doing is to try to uh design responsive components that don't use any media queries Ooh. it's just like i yeah I, I i like to set these little these little kind of challenges for myself and as if see you didn't what, have enough to do yeah i find that like it, it it helps you learn things like mm-hmm. you, you kind of uh, chart new paths that you may not have without them uh and it also just kind of produces a little bit of a different work. Because some, something we always try to do with our, with our marketing work in particular is to kind of offer a counterpoint to a lot of other things that might be out there. You see that with, I think with both Basecamp and Hey, where like common thing right now is you go to a homepage and it's a long scrolling homepage, lots of illustration, super, super, super common. When you land on the hey.com homepage, it is a letter like <laughs> yeah you know, i love it's, that it's the uh you know if 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 people are kind of going right we kind of intentionally choose to to go left to make sure that if anyone's in kind of a comparative shopping mode when they land on us they are going to see something different
0: totally that's like yeah Amazing tip to end on, and like feel like you just gave away some more secret sauce there (laughs) for people to be applying. uh, Anyone listening to this, thank you so much, Adam, for everything you've shared about marketing design inside Basecamp. This has been fascinating to me. I'm sure it's been fascinating for our listeners. Is there anywhere anything you want to shout out? Anywhere people should go to follow you online if they want to hear more of your your thoughts on design?
1: Ooh, um, I mean, they could follow me on Twitter, but following me on Twitter is kind of like not following me on Twitter based on the frequency at which i tweet okay (laughs) (laughs) but yeah uh try hey yeah hey.com
0: hey.com try it out um read that letter and check out all of the all of the designs that adam's worked on will be linked in the show notes if you are listening on an audio podcast app and in the description on youtube thank you for being here adam
1: yeah of course happy to be here
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode, everyone. I have to say that as a fellow, you know, solo marketing design team of one, it was really empowering for me to hear the way Adam talked about that limitation and, you know, wearing all the hats on a team as a strength, as how he is able to get more done because it's him in charge of the design and the code and, you know, working on the copy of the sites that he's working on. And it's true, a bigger team doesn't necessarily mean you get more done. Um, there's diminishing returns along the way somewhere, and uh, this conversation with Adam and like Basecamp in general is a great example of that. I certainly learned a lot from this episode, and I hope that you did too. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have been liking this show, please head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and a review. It really helps us get the show out there. And as always, we are available in both video and audio form, so you can watch the videos on my channel, youtube.com slash TV or find the audio in whatever podcast player you use. And there'll be links to all of the above, including links to Hey, links to Basecamp, links to Adam on insidemarketingdesign.co.